0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your hostess, your coach, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. figurechick911, up on Instagram with that very address, at figurechick911, and our YouTube channel as well, at figurechick911. Coming to you with the fitness aspect, the fitness division of our company, and wanted to roll out some muscular development things for you. And this is going to apply whether you're here for corrective movement training, whether you have mere interest in acquiring some muscle mass, increasing your strength, or you have an athletic goal of any kind, or you just, you know, love science, you love the human body and you want to learn more. So Tonight, we're going to talk fascia, and this is, this is a really important podcast, and it's loaded with tons of information that's seriously, it's seriously going to help you no matter what avenue you work in in health and fitness or what dimension of athleticism, if you're an athlete, you take, okay? Fascia has really come into the spotlight. I think hard and heavy over the past probably five years um it 's been studied for a number of years before that, but now people are I think are more on the up and up talking about it and if you 've been in a gym or any sort of like athletic environment, probably over the past five years, you probably see people do things like foam rolling or sometimes they have like weird little contraptions that they're rolling all over their bodies or using things like lacrosse balls or golf balls or something like that and it almost looks like they're massaging their muscles and a lot of times what they're actually doing is they're tending to their fascia. Okay, so let's, let's throw down a definition here in case you're not familiar. Let's put down our foundational information so that we're all on the up and up and we can move forward in the, in the right direction. Now, fascia is actually, it's a connective tissue, all right? So what does that mean? It, like, connects stuff. <laughs> now, fascia, if you ever, let's do a quick little food reference here so you know what we have, like, a visual of what we're talking about. If you've ever dealt with raw chicken before, with the type that has skin on it still. And let's say you go to peel the skin off. You know how chicken has that clear, kind of like filmy layer? It's kind of like a really slimy cellophane, if you would. That's fascia, okay? And so we have the same exact thing. And what fascia does, all right, fascia is this stringy, stretchy, slimy kind of stuff that wraps everything That has to do with your muscles and movement together in like little bundles. So it actually holds your actual muscles, the blood vessels that bring the oxygen and the nutrients towards the muscle, as well as the blood vessels that bring all the waste products away from it, and then the nerves. Okay, so in order for your muscles to actually work, we've mentioned this before, we do all the time, you actually have to have your nerves are firing or a nerve impulse, and that's what causes the muscles to actually like move and contract. So all those things, the muscle, the blood vessels, the nerves, they're held in a tight little package in fascia around your bone. So like there's bundles of muscle and then those bundles are packaged together as well around the bone. Okay? So you've got like little bundles of of fascia wound muscles and then you have big entire packages. Okay? So here's what it looks like. When you are looking to increase your muscle mass. Okay? Let's just start there. This is going to be an easy an easy example. Everybody, I think, is, is pretty attuned to the fact that muscle mass, muscular development, like muscle acquisition is done by training. And most people are pretty comfortable with the fact that when you go in there, you actually destroy when you let's say you're lifting weights, okay, so you, you're lifting weights, and you're destroying the muscle fibers. And what happens is through your body's natural processes once you have the destruction your body is designed to go to that area which is destroyed and actually clean it up and rebuild it into a bigger and better version of itself that's how muscular development is actually done okay so that's going to happen you're going to go in there and train you're going to you know destroy these muscle fibers and then your body starts to heal itself and rebuild itself well oftentimes If people come to me, let's say most people come to me as a muscular development coach when they've reached some sort of a plateau, either they have a a plateau on their lifts, like they're not able to move past a certain amount of weight, or they're not seeing any changes with their physique. And yes, like nutrition plays into this, obviously, like all that, but I, I tend to deal usually with athletes who've been around for a while and they know how to negotiate their way through nutrition and different things, but they just they don't seem to be able to create the aesthetic changes in their bodies or even reach some of those strength and conditioning goals, like they've reached a dead plateau, and so when that happens, like we have a system, like we always look to nutrition as as being one of the first culprits about it. We look at things like cumulative stress load, you know, we take the athlete basically like a part bit by bit to figure out why they're plateauing. But when you're looking at just the actual muscle itself, one of the things that you really have to start to consider for why you're not making either strength gains or usually more like aesthetic gains is the fact that the fascia is jacked up. What? Okay, so... Think about this, all right? Now, if you've dealt with the chicken, you see how slimy and stretchy that fascia is. And that's how it's supposed to be. However, fascia is a living, breathing thing, okay? It's, it's, that's, it's organic, all right? It's in your body, like there's things which are going to affect it to the positive and to the negative. Here, here here's a different example. This is a better way to explain it. So you have skin on your hands, and on the bottom of your feet. Well, let's say you lift weights, you get calluses on your hands, right? Or if you walk around barefoot outside all the time, you usually get calluses on your feet, right? Because the skin, it gets, it gets traumatized, you get blisters or whatever. And then eventually your skin's like, okay, I'm just going to form calluses here. And this, and the, in the tissue, the skin gets tough, Right. All right. So that's usually done by like friction from the weights or if you have, you know, manual labor job, you're shoveling or whatnot. That's what happens. So fascia can actually change its quality just like skin fascia is usually supposed to be like thin and stretchy and if you looked at it underneath like a microscope the fibers they lay in different planes so some of them are like horizontal some of them are laid down transverse to allow for expansion okay so just like if you were to stretch that fascia on the chicken you can stretch it in different ways well chicken chicken is actually muscle of the chicken All right. So as the chicken grows, the fascia continues to stretch to accommodate, you know, however big the chicken gets. And it's the same thing inside of your body. As your muscles grow, whether this is just in a workout, like you have an insane pump and like your muscles, you know, they're pumped up in the workout or through the process of your training, your muscles are actually getting bigger the fascia has to be able to stretch to accommodate the increase in size of the muscle bellies. Makes sense. Okay, so that's how it's supposed to happen. However, if for a few different reasons, the fascia is not that pliable anymore, or it's stuck, or it's like the the planes on which the the fibers which make up the fascia are not they're like, sticky or twisted or something like that, you're not going to have fascial expansion. And so then therefore, when you go to get an insane pump, or even for the long term, you're trying to pack on muscle and you're not seeing any sort of like explosive growth in your muscles, perhaps it's because the fascia has lost some of its elasticity. It turned hardened hard, kind of like how your skin does when it gets a callus. That's the best analogy that I can make with inside of your body. Okay. All right. So what causes fascia to lose? It's, it's nice, you know, pliability and elasticity. One of the things that it can be, all right, because fascia is, it's like a living, breathing thing. It needs water is actually dehydration. So if, like a sponge, you know how you have sponges, you buy them from the store, they're hard. And once you put them with water, then all of a sudden they like, you know, get soft and bigger. That's exactly how muscles and fascia work. So if you're dehydrated, then typically what happens, yeah, your muscles kind of like shrivel up like raisins, but the fascia over time, it becomes more so like tough and leathery, because it doesn't have enough water in it to keep it loosey goosey and pliable. Okay, so that's cause number one. Cause number two can be somebody, you, your athlete, or whomever, actually has a diet or has had a diet which has a significant amount of sugars in it. Sugars cause a change to proteins in certain tissues and can cause them to harden up. Or if there's a diet which has a high amount of sodium in there. Sodium is a drying agent. It causes you to retain water, but it actually sucks water out of different places in the body. And one of the places can be the fascia. Okay, so like the dehydration for whatever reason, or you can have damage to the fascia because of different things which are in the diet. On, on a side note of diet, if there's a deficiency in the diet, of some of those essential fatty acids. Think of the things like uh, you would get it in like flax or if I know a lot of people take fish oils, like some of those vital fatty acids will cause the fascia to be kind of like hard and crunchy too. Okay, so when, when you're reading magazines or you're you know on the web or you're talking to different athletes and they're talking about why they take different supplements, this, that, and the other thing, It's not just because it has one particular effect. Like when it comes to the issues of like hydration and nutrition, the effects are cumulative and they don't just impact one portion of your body. Like they have what we call systemic effects. They affect every part of your body because once you eat and drink something, and or take supplements, they get absorbed and then they travel around to like every cell inside of your body. That's how it works. That's why great nutrition is so incredibly important and why it's so incredibly powerful. Because it's not like if you eat or drink or take a supplement, you know, you swallow it and it just drops into like this black hole of your gut and then it comes out the other end. Nutrition gets absorbed in through your stomach Actually, nutrition, it starts absorption in your mouth, starts digestion in your mouth, starts absorption in your mouth, and then it moves along your gut, along your digestive tract, it gets broken down, and a lot of absorption actually takes place in your small intestine, and so... Gosh, that's probably a story for another day. But if you have any sort of digestive issues or if you have a problem like celiac disease and and you have not been taking care of it with a gluten-free diet or you have food sensitivities or whatnot, you actually have an impaired ability to absorb those nutrients, which affects you in other places of your body. Does that make sense? So, in my academy, I made sure with the fitness component, I lead largely with nutrition simply because, well, I mean, let's face it like, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> But in all seriousness, like nutrition is such an incredibly powerful thing that when you use it as a driving and leading force and then couple it with other smart strategies, the results that you get are freaking magnanimous. Like it's, it's just awesome. Okay, so that's why I bring nutrition into like a lot of my other coaching programs, even things that we do when it comes to different leadership programs, when we do organizational leadership, I definitely use it when we're talking like transformational life coaching, it I use it in burnout prevention strategies, when we're talking with entrepreneurs, or when we're, we're visiting sales teams, and they get like the end of the month sort of a situation for themselves. Like nutrition is, is seriously like wildly important and from where we come from. Okay, but the effects of it either pro or con have effects on the fascia, which can then if the fascia is no longer stretchy and expansive, it can keep your muscle bellies tight and compact and preventing them from being able to stretch and grow. And well, basically you stay small. (laughs) Sorry, wah, wah, wah. But what I'm saying, I'm saying that with a great level of encouragement that once you identify the source or possible causative factor, you can attack it. And then once you handle that, the results that you get are like huge, Okay, so I like to have these conversations early and upfront with all athletes, because I think especially today, everybody's busy, everybody's used to convenience foods. And I think most people, unless you truly are into this part of the the world of, of health and fitness, you don't have true appreciation for the role of nutrition outside of the fact that it's it's a mere energy source but nutrition impacts your aesthetics as well as just, you know, your overall muscular gain and and strength and and any other muscular development goal that you actually have. Makes sense? Okay. So that's like the nutritional component of of fascia as to why it may not be stretching and why you may not be achieving your goals. All right? Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about if you've had an injury in your body, which it affects the fascia, but I, I just, I'm just i thinking about reasons as to why maybe we don't have the expansion of the muscle bellies right now. So this is, is tangent to it. It may not be exact, but it's tangent to it. Let's say you've had an injury in your body or, and or you had to have surgery. Okay, so any sort of traumatic issue, whether this is an overt traumatic injury, you fell down and went boom, okay? <laughs> you broke bones, you ended up with hardware inside of your body, you needed some sort of, you know, rehabilitative phase, and, and this was like a pretty significant injury for you. Well, you probably have heard that your body, like, it lays down scar tissue like mad. Right. So, anytime, even if you have an uh, ankle sprain or if you've had like your know, surgery, following that scar tissue is one of your body's healing mechanisms. To I think it's to keep athletes like us who would continue to train despite an injury. It makes us not able to move that stuff. Like it keeps it solid so that the body can heal it. <laughs> I'm only laughing because one time I, I, I hurt myself so bad. I, I basically turned my foot upside down. I fell in a hole while I was running and like at the bottom of my foot was pointed upwards. And when I pulled my foot out of the hole, I was afraid that I had an open fracture. I was afraid that there was going to be bones sticking out, but since they weren't, <laughs> I continued to run on it. And I ran like another, I don't know, quarter mile or a half a mile. And, It felt pretty good, so I thought I would just push the envelope a little bit and do some walking lunges, and that didn't go real well. So (laughs) what I know is that your body lays down scar tissue. I know I'm not the only one. I mean, come on. We can all laugh, right? Um, Your body lays down scar tissue so incredibly fast that what can happen is then you can have issues in and around with the fascia, If it's coupled with scar tissue or in and around your injury, sometimes what will happen is you have, I call them sticky points. Some people call them adhesions. I call them sticky points of your fascia where your fascia either gets kind of like crumpled up kind of like if you crumpled up a piece of cellophane paper and now it's got all those wrinkles in it. It ruins the planes of where those, the, the fibers are laid down naturally. Remember, I told you that they can run in like a horizontal or like a transverse plane, that it ruins their natural plane. And when you go then to, to stretch the fascia, you know, again, during training or even during mobility work, that the fascia gets stuck and it acts like a tether and it pulls and it, and it restricts the expansion and it actually inhibits... Um, mobility and range of motion. So that could be a reason. And that's one of the reasons why you see people working so aggressively on their fascia that maybe they do have an old injury or maybe, you know, their muscles are forming in different ways and and who knows the reasons why, but you can have these little sticky points, these adhesions that occur throughout the fascia and you can have, you know, great results when you start tending to the fascia. Now there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. And again, you've probably seen this. You've seen people foam roll people who have more developed very mature muscles that foam roller doesn't do jack so then you have to upgrade to something else perhaps the roller has those little knobs on it perhaps you're using a piece of pvc pipe perhaps you're using those they look like steel foam rollers and I think the small one weighs like 90 pounds and then there's a bigger one which weighs like 100 something pounds and you can roll your quads out on that. You know, they make handheld devices that look ones called a cattail, and you can roll it up and down your leg. We have ones that we supply our athletes with that are a little bit more portable that can get into some of the, the finer nooks and crannies that work really well. You can use golf balls to do this. But you know, basically, and you can look anywhere online, you know, you just Roll you lay on it, don't ever roll on your spinal column, but you roll, and as soon as you feel this little bit or a lot of bit of pain, you know that you've hit a certain spot, and with continued work, you can actually cause the fascia to release. same thing if you have um, massage therapy. if you're working with a well qualified massage therapist, they will know how to manipulate the fascia and they will work with you for as long as the fascia takes to actually release. All right, there is no time point. It just, (laughs) it takes as the fascia takes, as long as it takes, that's it. Or you might have somebody who is a rolfing practitioner, or you might have somebody who uses tools which are called Graston tools. They're like these steel Um, surgical steel instruments, they almost look like butter knives that are bent into weird shapes. They put a little bit of lubricant cream on your muscles. And then they literally like, it looks like they're scraping your skin, only it's not causing like irritation to the skin, it's actually helping the fascia release. And when you do that, you allow again, some of those sticky points to release and it allows the fascia to then like you know, bust free. And all of a sudden, even after one session, many times what you'll see is things like improvement in, you know, the the wideness, the width, wideness, good Lord, the width of your chest, like all of a sudden, it's open when we tend to the fascia and like the connective points between your pec and your sternum. That's usually one of the places where we have a lot of problems, especially on male athletes, because there's so much work being done with Chest pressing or flies or even like military press from the shoulder, you get muscle innervation from that area. So once you release it, all of a sudden that athlete is like, it's like wearing pants on Turkey Day, like you're just like busting at the seams. That's what actually happens with the muscle bellies when you release the fascia. All of a sudden, like you come out of there and you look like you're four inches bigger, like seriously like massive results your mobility is much improved and then with that because you don't have that restriction of the mobility anymore that accompanies fascial release usually your weights go up so all of a sudden whatever plateau there was now gets broken because you actually can move and you can actually recruit some other accessory muscles in there with you as well and you usually are able to blow through any kind of plateau in a really short period of time Okay, so if you I, we talked a little bit about this in one of our previous podcasts, it's a corrective movement training, it was I think it was intro to or no trap dominance, we were talking about this. And we talked about the issues surrounding the sternum. And and uh, we talked a little bit about glute inhibition, you usually find a lot of issues with fascia, again, near the sternum, but you also see it a lot in and around the glutes, especially and I'm just going to put this out there this way, if you spent a lot of time in your life arguing the case of ass versus sofa cushion, okay? So we're all friends. A lot of our people who come to me, and myself included, have had issues where we weren't active in the past, we were, you know, completely overweight, we've done, you know, life transformations, but when you have not been moving your lower body to the degree that you need to be, what happens is the skin and the fascia in and around your glutes becomes super, super tough because you're sitting on your butt all that time. Or if you spend a lot of time, maybe you have a desk job, or you're leaning, you know, maybe you're a student and you're in a desk all the time, or you have a long commute. Maybe you're a truck driver. You see what I'm saying? Like, is you're sitting on top of those glutes and you're actually compressing not just the muscle, but you're compressing the fascia as well. So when it comes to, like, fascial release, there's usually multiple places in an athlete's body that have to be tended to. Especially if, like, let's say the athlete comes or, or you're here because, you know, you've reached a plateau on your bench. So we talked about this, okay, is it an issue of trap dominance? You know, is the athlete's rear delts firing? What is their core strength and mobility actually? Like you're looking at all these different dimensions, but it doesn't just stop at the torso. You have to also look at the bottom of the athlete from the waist down. And I'm here to tell you that nine times out of 10, you see problems with the glutes or you see um, an inequality with the hips, that either the hips, the pelvis is tilted, or you'll see one set of hip flexors is tighter than the other side, and it actually has like a, a ripple effect. If you have some dysfunctions with the fascia that are happening in the front of the hip and like the posterior part of the glute, you can actually see it go up the chain and you will have either inequalities in in strength, in mobility, or even in overt muscular development, like how you're acquiring and packing on the muscle. And one of the problems can Yeah, it can be in and around the sternum and the pecs. But the other place to always look is in and around the hip and the glute as well. Everything is connected. So welcome to like, how do we peel the onion back that like the layers of the onion, that's truly like when it comes to muscular development. And most of you know this, but if this is a new topic for you, it's usually not one thing. Because again, your body is a living breathing thing. And while you have what we call, we have organs, okay, so you have like your heart, but your heart is part of a system. Okay, it's got blood vessels connected to it. And then there's blood, which is in the blood vessels. All right, so now we have like cardiovascular system. Okay, and then we've got your lungs, and they have a system, the respiratory system. And then we've got your gut, your digestive system. So now like the organs live in their own little cities, they're called systems, but they all integrate. So like your heart pumps blood, But it doesn't just pump any old blood, there has to be oxygen in it. So it's got to have input from the lungs and the respiratory system, so that every part of your body can have the oxygen that it actually needs to stay alive. All right, but it's the same thing when it comes to muscular development, like there's not just one exercise, or one thing, which is going to take you to the next level because you're you're a, you're a human not a robot so when we when you come to us we look at you as an entire human being and we don't say oh it's just one thing try this exercise you need to know that when you come to us our commitment to you is not just kind of sort of helping you we don't do that. Like we don't work that way. Our commitment to you is to find the source or the sources and help you attack it from every single plane in a fast way so that you have fast results. All of our athletes are like ridiculously fast adapters. Right. And they just like are bothered by the fact that this thing is in their body and it's not working right. And they're committed to actually doing the work. And when that happens and we've got great communication, all of a sudden, like, fantastic results and we're rebuilding this athlete to be stronger and usually faster way more agile and obviously they're going to be packing on higher levels of muscle well-conditioned muscle as well because they can we've got fascial expansion now and it's totally fun all right. So that's what's going to be helping you. I think those two tips right there, the way that nutrition impacts the fascia and then also things like scar tissue, injuries, and then what you can do in terms of like fascial release. All right. So when we start to put these these different things together, I know sometimes when you sit either on our podcast or, you know, if you're reading our blog posts or some things like I'll tell you straight up, it's hard to just stay on one point because so much of it is affected by other things in the body. If you have questions, okay, feel free to contact us or if you'd like for us to come out and do some detailed training with your coaches or with your trainers or put together some sort of a program that can attack, you know, multiple things for your crews, for your teams, for your athletes, or even for yourself as an individual athlete. We love to do that stuff. We love to work with you. We love to make people better. And we love to see people achieve their goals. Like there's nothing there's nothing better in life. You know, we're happy to do that for you. So please, you can contact us directly via our website, which is transformationgoal.org the contact us button is in the top right hand corner and that home page, man, it still looks generic. This is November of 2018. I take full ownership of that. It is not fancy in any way, but you just click the link. It, it will, you know, take you on over to the fitness side if you'd like to scroll through blog um, entries and there's some podcasts over there, but the, but the contact us link is straight up there. And then, you know, we're happy to have intelligent conversations with you and, and get you where you need to be. Okay? So with that, we're going to close out for the night. This has been the Transformation Gold podcast. Awesome, as always, to have you with us. So thank you for joining us. We look forward to serving you. Peace out, yo! Talk to you next time. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.